Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. Here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm. Or wherever it is you get podcasts from, we appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. This weekend, when you are in Starville, you know you're going to be making a stop over at Strange Brew. Saturday is going to be a long day for just about everybody in maroon and white. Hopefully a really long day for those in red and blue as well. But you know you're going to need a little extra shot to keep you going, get you through the spring game and the baseball game. Make sure you stop by Strange Brew Coffeehouse that morning on your way to Davis Wade Stadium. You know you need to pick something up. Two locations, obviously, to serve you. They've got the uh, the normal Highway 12 uh, location and, of course, downtown off of University Drive with the walk-up window. Now, you don't have to worry about getting out of the car at, at Highway 12. You don't have to worry about coming inside at University Drive. And, of course, after the game, why not treat yourself to a delicious Sunday or waffle? I had a waffle cone last Sunday mm. or last Saturday, and it was delightful. Salted caramel and the Netflix and chill, which is caramel with popcorn and pretzels and it's good sounds good it was good yeah i hadn't had an ice cream cone in a while and all i could think was i wish i was skinny so i could eat one every day and not feel bad about it but if you were skinny and you ate one every day then eventually you would no longer be skinny i would well no you don't know that if i could get back to like a base that's true you know I, i could do i could maybe do that i don't know i don't know i don't know the answer I'm just working on it. <laughs> That's just how it goes. <laughs> anyway, they're always working for you at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Our good friends at College Corner. i got to call up our friends at College Corner. i got to make a deal with them somehow. Because I, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this Alex McDaniel thing. She has to come to Starkville dressed as uh, in full MSU regalia. I wonder if College Corner would put together a little package for me. You know, complete with paw print tattoo for the cheek. I think Alex looked good in maroon and white. I, first off, everybody looks good in maroon and white. i got to be totally honest with you, <laughs> especially when you compare it to other colors. But I wonder if we, we need to get something, you know, a little... Spe- I need to talk to some ladies and be like, let me ask you a question. What is some MSU gear that you're like, even I wouldn't wear that? That's the one I want to put her in. Maroon like, is all that matters t-shirt? If you could find one. <sighs> Part of me thinks that's a diabol- diabolically clever idea. But part of me is so opposed to the Maroon is All That Matters t-shirt that I just don't want to do that. <laughs> I'll have to think. But it's, it's it's not a bad idea. It's not terrible. Uh, but anyway, if you're an actual Mississippi State fan, College Corner is the place to shop. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Feet Feet. Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. And you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Com. Make sure Humble Taco is on your list to, to do things for this weekend up here in Starville. Starville's newest and best Mexican restaurant, Mexican Fair with Mississippi Roots. It's Mexican food like you've never had just because of the great influence of Mississippi and the South across the menu. Mississippi products and a Mississippi, like they said, Mississippi Roots 
on the menu. Great drink selection, beer, wine, and custom cocktails. They've got margaritas on tap. You'll have a great time at Humble Taco. Check them out this weekend when you're here to see the Bulldogs playing baseball. Speaking of baseball, Joel, it's time to talk about it. Uh, just a quick recap of what was happening at Duty Noble on Tuesday night. A lot of runs, especially late in the game. Uh, you sort of saw what we were talking about in terms of who do you trust in that bullpen because in the later innings where they were just trying to get get home, it's 18-3 to going into the ninth, and they give up seven runs, and they went through, what, three different pitchers trying to get there. Yeah. So you sort of saw a little bit of that, but you also saw some guys that did well. I thought that Cam Tuller did well. I thought that Preston Johnson did well. Kate Smith. Kate Smith got himself into a little trouble, but got himself out of it. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to see a little bit. So, But it was definitely back and forth. But that said, the story of the night is the Bulldogs hitting five home runs, uh, including I was in the lounge for Kellum Clark's tank. That ball was smoked. <laughs> um, just a, Rowdy Jordan leading off the game with a home run. He continues to be very hot. And I, But the, the story from the, from the plate for me is, is, is Forsyth, Lane Forsyth who is really becoming a well-rounded player for Mississippi State, hit a home run, missed a grand slam by a matter of a foot, maybe. It didn't, did not miss by much. And, and we asked Chris Lamonis in postgame about this and you know said, you know obviously his, his addition to the starting lineup was a defensive maneuver because Cam James was just struggling there at shortstop. But now you've got a guy who's hitting over 300 on top of this. That, that make, him at the nine hole – Sort of setting the table on the bottom of the order for Rowdy Jordan and that guy and those guys. Yeah, a red hot, blistering hot Rowdy Jordan. Right, that is making the Mississippi State a more dangerous baseball team. Yeah, I mean, just look at what they've done the last five games or so, soaring sixty something runs. And I mean, what what did I say back a couple weeks ago? Not to make me look like a genius here, but I I, th- I thought that Mississippi State's offense would click into gear if Rowdy Jordan started getting on base consistently. Well, he did, and not only did he, Lane Forsyth, like he says, now hitting three thirty three. So now you got your your nine hole hitter, and now you know if Rowdy's in the leadoff hole. You got your nine hole hitter on base. You got your leadoff guy on base, and then you turn that lineup into the you know your your killers there right there in the middle with Tanner Allen and Cameron James and Luke Hancock and Logan Tanner. I mean, it's easy to kind of see why this this lineup's kind of started to click a little bit. Um, and man, if they keep hitting like they're hitting, I mean, I don't know that you could project them to lose to anyone. You know, I'm not saying they're going to win it all, but I still feel like, man, if this team gets just average or better offense, they're fine, and they're there now. They're they're getting. At the bare minimum, what they're getting right now would be called average, and maybe above average even at the moment. So, right. they they keep that up, man. They're fine the rest of the way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, is are they going to keep that up against Ole Miss pitching south, Vandy's pitching south? Probably not to the this level, but just the confidence the last couple weeks has built that goes a long way in the game of baseball. No, I agree with you, hundred percent. That 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 is you know, confidence is is a huge deal. Uh, it is contagious. It, and you see it, you know, Rowdy. I think Rowdy Jordan is a guy who has a ton of confidence naturally, and I think he knew as, as much as we were uh, talking about him struggling that he knew he would come out of it eventually. And he was right. He was right in, the, in that instance. Looking ahead to this weekend, we talked about pressure. Uh, Ole Miss has already made a move. Uh, Derek Diamond out, and Drew McDaniel will start the Sunday game. 
against uh, Mississippi State. So that'll go Hoagland, Nikhazy, and Mal McDaniel. Obviously, we, we have not heard uh, officially, but we expect the Bulldog rotation to remain the same of McLeod, Bednar, and, uh, Fristo. and Fristo. Also from Ole Miss, uh, and this is reported by my friend Ben Garrett, uh, Max Chaffee out for the season, torn UCL. So Tommy John for the Rebel reliever. That's a big, yeah, that's a big piece of their bullpen, which is not – it does not have the depth that Mississippi State has, for sure. We talked about it on, on the Monday show, and I guess now we're, we're finally here. Who is under the pressure here to win this series more? Is it Mississippi State or is it Ole Miss? It might be Ole Miss. Okay. I mean, they've lost a couple series in a row. If they come up here to Starkville and lose the series or, you know, for them, worst-case scenario, get swept, and you got that hosting decision coming here in a couple of weeks. I mean, they're teetering there at the very least on the the whole national seed or not thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think State could lose this series, and and they they could still kind of recover. And I guess Ole Miss could too. But I don't. It just feels like right now with State having won six in a row, well eight in a row, but six conference games in a row. It feels like there's a little more margin for error right now for State. I don't know if I'm right or not on that, but that's what it feels like. Do you agree? I agree. I agree with you. Uh, and I agree with you on the big picture here that, that the pressure is, is on Ole Miss here. Uh, State's coming off back-to-back sweeps. Yeah. You know, they, if they drop this series, they, they would be okay. But Ole Miss, if you lose three series in a row in the middle of the year like this, and you still have a series with Vanderbilt coming up, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough sledding. Now state can't do state can't go out there and get swept again like like they did against no, Arkansas. No, they can't do that. That just looks terrible on your resume if you've played two you know the two premier teams I guess in your division outside of yourself and they come to your house and sweep you both of them. That's 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 a big black mark on that state resume if Absolutely. something like that happens. Absolutely, but just losing the series it's, is isn't a killer. But for Ole Miss, I don't killer is not the right word. But losing three straight series at any point. You know, that, that's a tough resume for a national seed. You know that's that's the resume of a team that's going to be you know an eleven twelve seed. Quite quite frankly, I think Ole Miss is also. At a, I think there's some pressure because of the recent history of this rivalry. State is fourteen and two over the last four years. Yeah, to win the series, Ole Miss is going to have to win two games. They've only won two games in the last sixteen. Yeah, so there, there's something to that, and then you're you're coming to Starkville. It looks like it's going to be wide open, so you know the crowds are going to be huge. And, I mean, it's Ole Miss, so you know Mississippi State fans. Not, not, not that the MSU fans aren't welcoming, but probably a little less welcoming for this particular group of players. Um, I, think, I think you're right. I think the pressure is, is on Ole Miss. Where is their pressure for Mississippi State? I think it's – honestly, I think if State gets the first win, if they can win on Friday, everything sort of falls into place for them. So I think there is pressure on Friday night, especially McLeod. I like Bednar better than Nikhazy. And I like Fristo better than whoever Ole Miss throws on Sunday. But I think I like Hoagland better than McLeod in terms of who is the better overall starting pitcher. So there's some pressure on Christian McLeod to deliver here against a pretty good Ole Miss lineup. Oh, no doubt. But I don't think that Christian McLeod is any stranger to having to deal with pressure. I mean, I think there was pressure on Christian McLeod to go out there in a Friday night in Baton Rouge in the first SEC game of the year. At that point, a nationally ranked LSU on the road. I mean, in he excelled, you know. I mean, 
I think there's been pressure the last couple of weekends. You know, after State got swept by Arkansas, the dogs needed to go out there and beat Kentucky in that first game of that series. And they need to go out there and beat Auburn in the first game of that series. And, and, and McLeod delivered both of those times. I, he's not a dude that's going to crack under pressure. I'm not saying or projecting that McLeod's going to go out there and just deal. But he's looked pretty darn good the last two weeks. And, I mean, I understand the case to be made there that that maybe you, uh, you know, maybe Hoagland's a little, if you like him better, I, I understand. But mm-hmm. I don't think that – it's a toss-up. I'll say that. I mean, you give me either guy and, and you told me one of them dominated, I mean, I, I could go either direction there. It, it's not going to shock me if this is a incredibly low-scoring game, both, te- both guys dealing. I mean – Oh, I think it'll definitely be a pitcher's duel. I think – especially – Bianco's tendency is to let his pitchers run 100-plus pitches, so Hoagland's probably going to go into the seventh inning. McLeod gave you six innings the last two starts, so he, he's starting to find – you know, that was one of the things we talked about. We never really seen him go extended duty, so maybe this is the week that he could get to seven yeah. innings. You got seven innings out of Bednar last week. I, I do think that, yeah, that it'll be a low-scoring game on Friday, but I think a low-scoring game favors Mississippi State. I mean, you think about McLeod and – you know, tell me the bad Christian McLeod starts. And I don't mean, I mean... Other than Arkansas. I mean, yeah. yeah. And even then, he gave up the three homers in the first. And I'm trying to... Is there a game where he just imploded? I, I the, can't the, really... the Texas game, he got the first turn through the order. Yeah, he got through four was, innings was really and then sharp, in the fifth, it, it just kind of fell completely it. apart. But yeah. anyway, where I'm going with that is... Christian McLeod always keeps you in the game, mm-hmm. and I think he will this week. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think because I think Friday night's going to be a low-scoring game. Saturday, I'm interested to see what happens because State has hit Nikhazy in the past, so we'll see what happens there. I think Sunday is going to be another, you know, just come to the Sunday ballpark. Sunday in the SEC. Come to the ballpark ready to watch some SEC baseball. Just put it that way. Um, and we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, again, I like State better in that pitching matchup better. And I don't think Fristo will have two bad match, two bad weekends in a row. You know, he's he's too much of a competitor, and he's too talented. And he did not he did not pitch well against Auburn, which he got, you know, he sort of got, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but he was, it was helpful that State was up 10 nothing. Yeah. Because it let him get, it let them get through some situations there that more and more likely if the game had been 2 to nothing. It might have might have been a problem, and he might have only thrown two innings. Yeah, well, I mean, there's two ways to look at that too. Something that not a lot of folks talk about is it's kind of tough when you are the visiting starting pitcher, and you're kind of sitting there waiting to take your turn to pitch in the bottom of the first, and your team scores ten runs in the top of. I mean, you basically have to go back and re-loosen up. You know, you've gotten loose before the game, and Fristo kind of got put in. Look, every pitcher wants to have a 10 nothing lead before he takes the mound. I'm not trying right. to say that you don't, but from a sheer being sharp standpoint, it's tough for a pitcher to be sharp when you just sit there for 45 minutes and watch well, your team score if you 10 listen runs. To that, and, and I know you did the interview we did with Chris Lemonis. He thought he, they had to send him back down to the bullpen yeah. just to get loose again. Yeah. You know, and that that's, that is tough. Yeah, so, I mean, it shouldn't be a total shock to anybody that he wasn't his sharpest self in that game. But um, that said, I'm sure he would love to have the challenge of Defending a ten-run lead on Sunday, yeah, I think I think Chris Lamonis would, he would fig- take that. He'd figure it out, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but he he is liable to be sharper if if there's not a ten-run first in. Let me let me ask this question: If I tell you that on Friday State wins and Landon Sims doesn't pitch, 
State wins the series. It sure feels like it. Doesn't yeah, it? it feels like if you can go Bednar Sims on Saturday, the games they're going to win that game. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you ever have one of those weekends for Christian McLeod, you don't hardly you don't see it much anymore. But if that was a complete game, it's over. You just feel like you feel like we're probably going to get them both, boys. They're going to go the next two. Yeah, I agree with that. From a batting perspective, you know, Ole Miss has been a team that Arkansas touched them pretty good, got some runs on them. They gave up some runs to, to Alabama. They gave up some runs to Auburn. I think they had that one game where Hoagland threw like a one nothing game on, on Friday. But for the most part, teams have been able to, to get on the board with them. And this MSU batting order looks like it's starting to heat up at right the, the right time. But one guy. we got to talk about Josh Hatcher. I think he may have been – he was one of the few Bulldogs who did not have a hit against Arkansas State. His at-bats did not look good. You saw uh, Tanner Allen get the night off. Josh Hatcher's become everybody's punching bag well, a little I mean, bit. But it's he's the only guy not doing anything. When you look at that that lineup right now, the way it's it's going, yeah, Logan Tanner's had some ups and downs, but he's had some some big moments. And when he has a home run, it you know it's a home run. It, yeah. There's no question it, about it. Leaves right? no doubt. Uh, you know they. Second base has been a little bit of, a, of, a, of an issue as far as hitting goes with DeBrule and Leggett. Leggett's hitting over 300, though. Yeah. It's just Hatcher who's hitting 150 in SEC play, and it just feels like you've got, you know, you've got some options. You can move Tanner Allen and let Cumbus play in right. I mean, people keep talking about, oh, he just hits a bunch of weak grounders. Well, he's getting hits. I don't – we're going to have to have a little money ball here. Do I care how you get on base? <laughs> when I point, you talk. No. No, you do not. How I don't care how people get on base. I don't care if it's a ripped single into the outfield or if it's a little dribbler that you beat out. On base is on base. Sort of like my yards is yards for football there. So, you know, could Cumbus play first? Could Allen play first and Cumbus go into the outfield? People have said, we're talking about Luke Hancock, he warms up at first sometimes. There's got to be an option here. I'm going to give Hatcher Friday night to see what happens, but... The time has got to be coming that you you just can't have a guy who is not going to do anything in your lineup. A guy who has, I think now, in SEC play, so in, in what, 12 games, yeah. has six hits. That, that, you is can't, that right? Because he had like three or four last weekend. Is, that not, is it not more than six at this point? It might be eight. It's not much more. It's not much more. I can look it up if you want to. I mean, give me your thoughts on what I'm saying, I guess. Well, I... I guess when I think of Hatch, I just feel like it has to get better. <laughs> you know, like the I, I kind of feel like I'm on the Rowdy Jordan mentality here. Like he's gonna come around, and I don't. All the options that you present here, I guess they are options, but I mean, do we really know that moving Tanner Allen to first base and putting Brad Cumbest out in right field is that going to be the miracle solution here and and you know Cumbest is gonna hit a lot better than Hatcher and the defense at first with Hatcher no longer is gonna be just I don't know I mean maybe it would I, I just feel like you're taking a risk and a gamble no matter what you do here and maybe the safest of the gambles is to leave everybody where they're at and just see if Hatch can figure it out because it's not like you're sitting here losing ball games um because of it. I, I just feel like if this team is going to get where it needs to go, Josh Hatcher is going to have to turn it on at some point. And maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe, you know, one of your suggestions would be fine. But The MSU website has not updated the stats. Um, I have an email here that has the stats updated. Well, hold on. I'm just going to go to the schedule and we'll just do it from there. But uh, I don't know, man. 
I may be in the big minority, but I think I ride with Josh Hatcher at first base and just see what happens. All right. Here we go. So Hatcher on that Sunday was one for four. So yeah, that means he's now, overall he's now he's now hitting two oh two. Two oh two overall. But in conference play, let me see. I had I had it just a second ago. I'm pretty sure he only has uh, it is eight hits. So I mean, that's that's not great. Two, Here's the thing, though. Two of four against LSU on Friday. Then then zero for three and zero for four against Arkansas. He was zero for four, zero for four, two for four against Kentucky. Zero for five, zero for three, zero for four against Auburn. Zero for four, two for four, one for four. So three. Five, seven, seven hits. The dangest thing is with Josh Hatcher, he's tied for the team leading doubles. Yeah, that's he has on the season. He has twenty-two hits, of which eight, eight are doubles. doubles, and he has two home runs. So ten of his hits are extra base. Hits. So I mean, he has that gap to gap power and can pop one over the wall. Like I just, I get everything you're saying, but this is sort of like anything else where there's potential, right? But he's not doing it, is what I would say. I get that he has the potential to do it, but you know what? Brad Cumbus has the potential to do that. Luke Hancock has the Brad Pimmett, Brandon Pimentel. Well, Luke Hancock's going to be in the lineup. Well, that's period. what I'm saying. It's like there are moves you can make, and you don't feel like you took out your potential to hit any. If anything, you th- that's the that's the thing right now. Any na- na- guy you put in there right now, you feel better about getting a hit than you do Josh Hatcher. Well, I mean, the things you have to weigh are. If you move Tanner back to first and you put Cumbest in the outfield, I mean, does even if that nets you a little bit offensively right mm-hmm. now, does do you do you sacrifice anything defensively, which then hurts your biggest but does strength? It? I your mean, Tanner Allen was fine at first base a couple of years ago. He was fine. I don't. I don't. I, I, I'm not saying you're pl- you're pumping sunshine. But I'm not saying. Uh, is but Cumbest, I, I do feel Cumbest, like I don't think Cumbest is good in right field as Tanner Allen. So he, you're hurting your right field defense. He might be, but. I don't. I don't know that. I, I think that the, the 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 drop defensively, with without Hatcher is the is not equal to the drop offensively with Hatcher. You, I feel like you're giving up more with him in the lineup. That's how I feel. And I know that if if it is a popularity contest, this is the lineup change that would happen. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is not. <laughs> uh Speaking of Tanner, I, I may need to talk about him in a minute, too. Um, wasn't in the lineup on Tuesday. Was so, not. Um, and if you want to play the semantics game there, you know, Chris Lamona said after the game, he'll be back out there at practice with us on Thursday. Right. He didn't say he'll be back full go this weekend. Right. If but, you want to if you want to get all freaked out, you could do that. I, I mean, I think he's going to play this weekend. Don't misunderstand me. But I, I've dealt with enough coaches in my day to know that I think if I was a coach and he was definitely going to play in the weekend, I would say he's he's playing this weekend, boys. <laughs> he he said back at practice. So yeah. Anyway, but I think Tanner Allen being lined up. But just want to point out, by the way, with Hatcher, since SEC play began, I said he's he's got seven SEC hits. He only has eight hits total. In the non-conference games that State has played since SEC play begun has begun, he's zero for two against North Alabama. One for three against Southern, and then last night he was. Let me double check that. Hatcher was. I think it said 0 for four. Yeah, he was 0 for four. So he's not hitting anybody. His average has dropped since 
when SEC play started, he started he finished the Friday night game at 274. And now he's at 202. At some point and it goes back to what I was saying last week. It may not even be making a lineup change, but he has to take a day off from the, just give him a day off. Do you have his uh What's his do you have his career numbers there like his batting average by year? I don't and I, okay, I don't think I'm I can sorry. get that. I thought you were on the the Hell State stats. I am, but it's there. just it just has for the year. I mean, I guess I could do it. Let me see. Usually at the bottom, I think it has like a career. Let me uh, try this by year thing. Oh, yeah, I don't want twenty. Yeah, I've got it figured out here. So let's look at twenty nineteen. There you go. I mean, yeah, twenty nineteen. He never dipped below three hundred. Started off the year one for one, <laughs> and the lowest his his average ever got. I'm sorry, he, he was hitting two ninety five. Uh, after the Friday night win against Georgia, and then he he immediately jumped back up and was hitting 328 a week later. He had a fantastic year, but wire to wire that year. I guess my my thought here is where Josh Hatchery is right now isn't that much below what Rowdy Jordan was at about three weeks ago, and yet everybody was like, "Oh, just give Rowdy time; he's gonna come around." And with Hatcher, it's like, oh, he stinks. Get him out of the lineup. And because, I don't understand why because, because Hatcher has a little bit of a track record here of hitting because two. Because Hatcher's track record is consistency. Rowdy Jordan's track record is he starts slow and then he picks it up. So you knew he would pick up eventually. Hatcher's not picking it up. He does. He hasn't been consistent. He's been dropping. That's something that's never happened in his career. That's the difference. I don't know. I still have. I may be dead wrong, but I have more confidence in in letting Hatcher figure it out than I do start flipping and flopping positions at this point. All right. And I may maybe they change up positions and take Hatch out of the lineup, and then you can come back on this show later and say, Joel, you're an idiot and you're wrong. But or it could be the other way around, and Hatcher starts ripping the ball out of the ballpark, and and I'll be wrong. Either way, so, something has to change. Either Hatcher has to start hitting. <laughs> Or somebody's got to replace him in the lineup. One thing that I do you know... You can't continue like this. One thing that I do know is that when it becomes time to make a change, Chris Lamonis is not scared to make one. I agree with that. I, I mean, I, so. and so I, I think at this point, foresight. you just yeah. kind of have to trust Lamonis' decision mm-hmm. because I feel like he always kind of makes the right ones. I mean, I'm trying to think of a, a coaching decision that Chris Lamonis has made that... We just sit there and for weeks and weeks scratch our heads and don't get it. Well, you're right. I mean, if this if if they keep playing Hatch and he never turns it around, this would be really one of the only times since he's been here that you could point at it and say, "I don't get why Lamonis didn't do something different." Right. This just the the big thing for me is is it going to come a time where it costs you a game? And I feel like that that time might come soon, where you're going to have a situation late in the game, bases loaded, you're down two. And Hatcher, you know, is is the guy there, and he, he doesn't get it done. And I just feel like that's that's going to be a problem. I just I just I, I feel it coming. We'll see. We'll I see. think he's going to jack one over the wall, and I'm going to look at you in the press box, and I'm going to hey. say that's why you keep him in the lineup. Hey, you feel free to do that. I won't care. <laughs> All right, let's move on over to football. That's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef this weekend. If you get a chance to head by Welcome Home Beef, do it. Never mind the food trucks out in front putting out delicious burgers and sandwiches and tacos. But you can go in there and grab yourself something to put on the grill at Duty Noble Field. And if you're not headed to the ballpark, you're just around here in Starkville, but you want to grill out, 
No better place to get some great stuff than Welcome Home Beef, unless you want to head over to Val's Market, where Welcome Home Beef products are right there on the shelf, easy to get for you. There's just a lot of options and a lot of different ways to get Welcome Home Beef products. I suggest you take advantage of them and so you can enjoy a fantastic cookout and make your family and friends jealous of what you're doing out there on the grill. Call Welcome Home Beef today at 662-268-8148 or visit them online at welcomehomebeef.com. Welcome home, Beef. It just tastes good. This weekend in Starkville, another place you've got to go is Two Brothers Smoked Meats. You just don't want to miss out on all the good times to be had there in the heart of the Cotton District. All the great food and fun you'll have when anytime you go to Two Brothers. Great food up and down the menu. Sandwiches, burgers, tacos, wings. Some of the best stuff here in the Starkville area. The great patio outside. They're going to be serving crawfish this weekend as well. Mud bug blast out there with live music on the patio. That's going to be a great time to be had. Don't miss it. Two Brothers Smoked Meat, Smoked Southern Soul Food, 621 University Drive. Our good friends at Advantage Business Systems want to take care of you. They've got an inventory of products that any business is going to need. Copiers, printers, software upgrades, whatever it is you're looking for, they've got you taken care of. And, of course, they do it all with great customer service, just like any local business would be expected to provide. So why don't you call them today and find out how they can go to work for you and help you like they've helped so many businesses over the past 46 years. Call them at 601-362-9192. Or visit them online at absms.com. You'll find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. The defensive line is an area for Mississippi State that's been doing business for about the past decade. And they're getting business in the NFL done as well. Um, And so now we look at the 2021 team. I I see some NFL guys in that group for sure. Let's start with the guy who I think sort of led this unit a season ago. And that's not Marquis Spencer or Kobe Jones, both of whom are now headed off, and we'll see if they end up in the NFL. I thought Jaden Cromedy really emerged uh, last season in a year where you know people were expecting big things from Nathan Pickering. Uh, you know He didn't have the best season before he opted out, but Cromedy was solid from, from game one until the season ended, and I, I think big things are in store for him this season. Yeah, and I remember when Jeff Phelps first came in, and one of the first conversations I had with him was about Cromedy, and he was talking about how impressive of a guy that Cromedy was, just – from a demeanor standpoint, and then he went out on the field and, and, and backed it up. And you're right, man. He's kind of become the the face of that group a little bit. And and this year, I think they may do some moving and shaking to get he and Pickering both on the field at the same time. And uh, he has come become kind of the anchor uh, of that D line. Had a big play in the scrimmage just past week. Got him a pick, a big man pick. You just he's become a, a playmaker and a dude that you can rely on. And uh, I kind of feel like it's quietly too. I don't think he gets enough enough play, enough praise for for the good job that he did last year, and he he seems to be a guy that is continually improving too. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I mean, he's on a he's on an NFL trajectory here for sure. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that, and I think Pickering will get back onto that trajectory as well uh, this offseason. And it looks like MSU is going to try to do some things to put them on the field at the same time. I have. Crumity move out to one of those end positions along with uh, with Pickering there at the nose. And then you got to find the other end as well, who's going to be that guy. I think Jack Harris has seen a lot of reps this spring, Aaron Odom. But the guy who's been the most impressive to me has been the, the transfer, Randy Charlton. Uh, this one scrimmage I got to see. Don't forget had, Jordan Davis, too. Jordan Davis, I was going to come back to him. Uh, Randy Charlton, the one scrimmage I saw, he had two sacks. You said last week you thought he looked very impressive. I think he's a guy who's going to challenge – 
the aforementioned Mr. Davis for that other defensive end position. I mean, and when you when you shake it all down, man, what you get to is a spot where I kind of thought State didn't have depth. I kind of think they do. Yeah, they, they've created some depth. The move of Davis has created this depth that's allowed them to, you know, they're not having to push Charlton in. They're not having to push Harris or Odom in, not ready. Davis is, is going to be that guy. Davis is sort of the wild card in this to me because he can, if you need him to, play off the line. And I think I think State will give some looks like that this year. I don't think Jordan Davis's days as an outside linebacker are totally numbered. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, a package with him and Charlton in there, that's trouble. You know, if you put those two guys, put Charlton down and Davis right behind him, well, good luck. Good luck blocking those guys. Um and then Cam Young is the other guy to mention in, in the middle of that defense. Who's, I'll be honest, he's a guy I had zero expectations for uh, and played pretty well a season ago. Looks like he's going to continue to develop. But you're right. You've got six or seven guys in here that you feel pretty good about. And you know you've got – you've sort of – the move of Crumity has created some artificial depth is what I like to call it in that you can have Crumity and Pickering on the field at the same time. Then you can put Crumity at the nose and let Pickering get a break. You can put Pickering at the nose and somebody else at the end, and Crumity can take a break. You've created that with, with these 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 versatile guys who can play inside and outside. Yeah, and that's not really what I... At the end of last year, when you get to thinking about Kobe leaving and you get to thinking about Marquise leaving and you, you just start toiling around in your head, what will who's going to be the, at the top of the depth chart? Who's going to be behind those guys? That was, of course, pre-Charlton, I think, before he had uh, indicated that he was coming to Starkville. And you, you just kind of, yeah, it wasn't a group that inspired much confidence once you got past, like, Crumity and Pickering and Jordan Davis and then what, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you knew the names, Jack Harris and Odom and, and things like that, but I don't know that it was guys that anybody would have felt comfortable playing a ton. And and now I just feel like, kind of like you said, man, you, you have you have the depth, and then when Harris or Odom or those guys step in, I mean, it, it's not like they have to play major snaps. And and if they prove they're worth major snaps, you can always adjust on the fly. I mean, mm-hmm. it's I, I, you just have options. Yeah. And when it when it comes to Southeastern Conference football on the defensive side, in particular. It's good to have options. Good to have depth. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to underperform. Some guys going to overperform. I mean, we, we've seen that before, too. Guys play above what we thought they could do. So there are so many options there that you feel like State's going to be able to piece together a a pretty darn good front. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think, is it the group I trust the most of, of what State has defensively? I mean... No, cornerback. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I guess with corner, but I, I was but thinking at the same time, you don't have the depth at corner. That's where I was getting at. You have two superstars, but beyond them, you don't have guys that you just totally trust. Whereas, like you said, with this defensive line, there's there's five, six guys. That I, and I, I mean, Charlton's a guy I haven't seen really play in the SEC yet, but his track record of, of, of playing at Central Florida and then what I've seen in practice makes me think, okay, he can he will be a contributor. Um and then you got, you know, like I said, if you get anything out of Jack Harris, if he develops into anything, if Aaron Odom develops into anything, you've really got some a lot of guys here that you can just mix and match and move around. And that's something that Zach Arnett wants. He wants that versatility. He wants to be able to move guys around. He wants to be able to show different looks. State has the personnel to do that, I think. Yeah. And 
that line has kind of been creating a little chaos in these scrimmages we've seen. I, I like what I've seen out of this bunch the last couple weeks in, in the scrimmages. We'll see what they do on Saturday in the maroon-white game. Not that, not that any of these scrimmages or whatever – I don't know how much of it you can actually translate and say, yeah, you're definitely going to see that in, in the fall when it comes around. So It goes back to the whole, is your defensive line playing good or is your offensive line slacking a little? You just you don't really know in scrimmages. But from what I've seen, I've seen enough that I think that's going to be a, a pretty doggone reliable group up front. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And I mean, then you know what they say, you went on the lines. If, you, if, you're, good, if you're good up front defensively, you're going to be good in the back defensively. I mean, that's, we've said it a million times. The reason the MSU was so good in 2017-2018 defensively is because they were dominant up front. Simmons and Sweat just wrecked. And I mean, on top of, we're talking about depth. You're talking about Gary Green and Corey Thomas and Braxton Hoyette and all those guys. And Marquis Spencer to a lesser degree. That's what made everything else click behind them. If you get anywhere near that kind of production, if you get 70% of it, you're going to be just fine defensively. No question about it. Linebacker, as all, we'll talk about that uh, next week, and then we'll do the defensive backs and the special teams. And, uh, yeah, be willing to move forward from there. Guys, tomorrow's show, uh, we will preview Mississippi State versus Ole Miss, and we'll give some spring, th- spring game thoughts as well. We'll also be joined, or at least I will, by Richard Cross from Sports Talk Mississippi. I'll get his thoughts on the Rebels and on this series. So a big show to get you into Super Bowl all weekend. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.